Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, I sound like you like it or not. That's when it got wheels off. Tawny Newsom is a badass. She's a musician, an actress, a comedian, an improv superstar podcaster of course aren't we all you might know her from bajillion dollar properties or the comedy get down brock meyer she's now one of the stars of the new netflix series space force which is cool as hell and she's nice she's sweet and she's smart she's funny and she's open and generous with her advice and her wisdom which is why she is the perfect guest for Wheels Off. Please welcome to Wheels Off the great Tawny Newsom. Tawny Newsom, welcome to Wheels Off. Hey, thank you. I'm so excited. This is great. Now I'm talking to you via Skype. This is the second time I've done an interview like this. Um, where are you? Um, I'm in Southern California. Um, yeah, I'm at my house just staying here like we're supposed to <laughs> nice um yeah. what what creative project are you working on at the moment and how does it light you up Ooh, okay so i'm starting some uh commune recordings we kind of have a little commune out here we have a piece of land um and so we have some space for people if they have like a little trailer or a camper and they want to you know, quarantine out here, that might be, as things start to relax, that might be a possibility, but no one's here yet because it hasn't been really safe to to travel too far. But um, what the idea is, is that I've started piecing together all these songs and just like scraps of things that I never knew where to put them, you know, and uh, sending them to people with no pressure and just seeing if anyone wants to work on them remotely. And that's been, that's been really fun. Well, hit me up if you can't find any takers over there oh my gosh i absolutely will <laughs> um so but you just are this week having space force come out right yes yeah um yeah it comes out may 29th i mean i know that's all done right that's completely in the can and finished yeah they we finished filming um late january started we started at the end of september so we filmed for a good long time um, and then, and it's just 10 episodes or half hour episodes for Netflix. 
And uh, then they edited, I think it was a pretty fast turnaround for a show with as much, you know, visual effects and hoopla as it was. So our editors really burnt some rubber and <laughs> got that ready in time for our, our May release. Have you had to do a lot of junket kind of stuff? Well, it's been weird because uh, normally I think this would have been, you know, a pretty, you know, it's still a huge uh, opportunity and and premiere the show itself is big and exciting but i think this would have been like carpets and you know crazy junkets and stuff but so really it's just been like stuff like this podcasts little skype interviews it's been um very manageable nice well i love that you're doing music i mean that that's such an interesting thing about you that you've got multiple tracks and i think you're one of the greatest improv comedian actors that i've ever seen also which is kind of sad that you probably don't get to do that these days Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Um, you know what fills that gap for me is like podcast improv, um, like our dear friend Paula Tompkins show. I just did his show, The Neighborhood Listen, which was super fun. Um, so yeah, it's not the same as getting up in front of a crowd, but it definitely still scratches that itch of, um, well, first of all, the social itch, which is funny is that, you know, you get on a podcast and you get to like catch up with a friend even though <laughs> even though you're making this to to put out it's still like oh i get to talk to rhett today <laughs> <laughs> well that's so cool and i love i love that you do music and so of all these things that you do was there something that was the first thing was there like an epiphany moment like i'm going to be a creative human being and this is what i want to do about it you mean like in my life like as a child yeah as a kid um no I think they always were tied together um maybe just because I was always doing musicals so for me it was like you're on stage but you're also doing music um yeah so I think they started out together and then I kind of for I love musicals but I kind of forcibly separated them and said I want music to be a very different feeling than you know comedy and tv work and all that stuff that's funny I wonder why I wonder if I wonder because I, I just imagine musicals as being like kind of light entertainment, but the kind of music that you and I both make tends to, you want to try to have some gravitas or whatever, like the human condition. Did you, was, did it bother you that the music was kind of like glossy or something? I don't know. Well, maybe. And maybe that's why I was drawn to more like I was such a Sondheim fan. I say was like, I'm not, but it's just that <laughs> I'm not really like doing musicals now. Um, but I, I've always been a Sondheim fan because the music is so complex and there's such, such a depth of emotion. Not that there isn't in Rodgers and Hammerstein. I think it was just like more obvious to me that a lot was happening in Sondheim's music um, when I was younger. So I think, uh, yeah, I think right now what I need out of my music is like a little bit of heft and earnestness and, and weirdness and permission to be a bit strange and offbeat. Um, cause yeah, I mean, you know, to get, being fortunate enough to make a living doing TV is incredible, but you don't always get a lot of control over the type of stuff you're doing, you know? That's what's all that what I've wondered about with my actor friends is that you wind up having to depend on someone else for your content. Is that, does that, is that a feeling of, um, power? Well, not powerlessness, but is that a feeling of like letting someone else run the show? Is it weird? I think for a lot of actors, it is. I think a lot. I think that's why that is one of the reasons why you maybe get um, stories about actors that are nightmares because it's this it's this incredible loss of control. Um, I joke all the time about how 
I'm like, I don't know how Hollywood's going to start up again. I'm, I'm one of the only people in a business where like 14 hours of my day is someone touching my face or like around <laughs> my face and body. <laughs> like, so you, you know, you're just, you're on set for a long, long time and there's a, a ton of pressure, but there's also just a lot of people, you know, it's, it's so silly, but it's like, you're not wearing your own socks. You're wearing socks someone else chose for you. Like that's such a weird, insane, small detail, but it's like, you are, com- you are in a way completely powerless, but yet you hold a lot of responsibility. It's funny though, because then you do music where you're so in control or you're collaborating with someone where you have chosen them and the two of you are creating something together or then you do it just I've gotten to stand on stage next to you while you do improv and to see it it just feels like magic and does I to you when you're doing it does it feel like that or because you know the the work you've done to get so good at it does it feel like work still I don't think it feels like work sometimes it feels tricky like uh you're kind of playing a little quick mental chess with yourself trying to figure out the next moves but also you're still talking so it can be a little out of body in that way but i mean well Rhett, to pay the same compliment back to you i've stood on stage next to you while you're playing the guitar and i have just never been an instrumentalist so people who can play the guitar really well and sing at the same time it's so impressive to me i feel like what you do is magic Does it feel like work to you? (laughs) No, I mean it. I think it's like a perspective thing because you probably feel like the guitar is a part of you and you don't think twice about it. Yeah. And it's funny because when I say, does it feel like work? It's that's almost not a bad thing. I think that's I think I made it sound like a bad thing, but I kind of love that making up songs is work, that singing songs for people is work. I kind of love that. And I love the the craft of it. So when I when I have to do. Um, like now I'm doing shows online. So when I have to go relearn a song that I wrote 25 years ago to go play it for my show, that's weird and it's work and it's like time travel. But I I also (laughs) love, I love it because, you know, I could have like a job job and that would suck. I would be bad at most other things. I always say, so I'm glad I found the thing that I'm pretty okay at. Um, wait, I wanted to ask you, I love that what you said about time travel relearning your old songs do you when you get back into them do you try to do you judge the material like do you want to improve upon it or are you just like happy to be there well it's funny you're talking about improv where something's happening in your head where you're like two steps ahead trying to figure out what's next there's like a lot of levels of thinking maybe for people doing an artistic thing so when i'm singing a song for instance the other night at a show I did a song, The Disconnect, and I, I've just, I have it right here, The di- not that it matters. Oh, cool. So, so um, it's, it was a song that came from like a bad time in my life when I, I've been sober for a few years and it wasn't like I was, you know, I wasn't, whatever. It was, I, I needed to get sober and I got sober and it was fine. But before I did, it was pretty gnarly. And so this song is like orange ones pick you up, blue ones get you down, the glass is golden brown. And it's got all this just like real specific memory laden uh, details. And so, yeah, I was singing it and I was trying to remember how it went. And then as I remembered how it went, I was being surprised like, oh, wow, that melody is actually really tricky. And I can't believe I was able to do that, especially given how I was kind of falling apart. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then also just remembering just what a shit show that time was. So, 
yeah, a, a lot goes on. And, and, but I, I kind of love that too. I think it's fun that, that it's not just, you know, just some number crunching job. Yeah. Yeah. You get to like relive. Yeah. Well, there's gotta be not that many other professions outside of the arts where you get to relive specific sense memory and emotional moments through your, through your work. That's really yeah. cool. So watching you act, I mean, and, and do improv, but it's so, I, I've tried a few times to act and it's really hard. Like, yeah, I didn't think it was. And then I tried it. It's really <laughs> hard. So I wonder about that when you're acting, I know you have to draw on things to, I'm sorry, I don't know that. I imagine that you have to draw on things to feel things. Is it kind of a similar thing where you like time travel to a moment where you were happy or sad or do you, how do you, is there a secret? <laughs> Um, I think some people have secrets. I think some people would tell you, yes, like, you know, there's all these, um, there are all these different schools of acting. Um, and what you're kind of talking about that, that, uh, time travel kind of thing. I'm trying to remember back to my like college theater days. I have a degree in this, so I learned the schools and now I feel like the, the generous way I look at it is like, oh, they're just baked in and I use them without knowing it. But what I really think happened is I abandoned them once I got into comedy and was just joke chasing for years. And now when I'm acting, I'm like, oh, right. Uh, remember some acting stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, so what you're talking about, I think would fall under the kind of like myself if like sort of a Stanislavskian approach, which tends to be like, uh, let me remember back to a time when something similar happened to me. Um, and draw on those feelings and how did I look and how did I hold myself during that and apply that to this. Now that can be, and sorry to any Stanislavski heads listening to this, if I've butchered the description, (laughs) y'all can yell at me online. Um, that can be, and that was largely what the basis of, I went to DePaul in Chicago and there was a lot of that type of work that can be very, um, that's a lot to do, especially when, you know, it's not a play where you haven't like rehearsed and done the same thing over and over for months. It's like you're on set. There's a million things happening. I I kept talking uh, for interviews for Space Force about how, you know, people would ask me like, did you get to improvise a bunch on set? And I was like, sometimes, but sometimes there was literally like, you know, a tank rolling towards me. And like, you have to step out of the way at the exact time. So they don't have time for me to figure out what's funny or like, you know, cake or pie. Um, but, uh, yeah. So what you're describing, people do it and some people are really great at it. I bet if you were to sit down and interview my castmate, John Malkovich, he would have like the real deal actors, actors, tips and tricks and the, the things I'm just like, I feel like I've been a grab bag of so many different techniques over my life that now I just, I don't know. I don't know what I do. I just do it. I wonder if it just feels natural, like you've done it so much it's become your thing. And Yeah, I think it definitely feels like um, if something doesn't make sense to me or if something feels super effortful, that's probably not the way I want to go about it because then I think it's going to look effortful on camera. So, okay, when you started with musicals, and then you got more into proper acting and did music as a side thing. And then I know you were, um, what do you, how do you say that uh, with UCB, right? Were you a member or a? Oh, I was at Second City. Oh, sorry. Um, Second. Yeah. Chicago, duh. Yeah, no, it's okay. Um, 
I was, yeah, I was on the, I was on the touring company and then I joined the main stage cast and I was there for a total of like six or seven years. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then I remember that there, it was like a big question about moving to LA and was there the agon, was there agonizing that went into making that decision and, and how did you ultimately make that? You know, what's a fun way to do that is to trick yourself into thinking you're not actually moving there and just be like, Oh, I'm just going for pilot season. We're just going to get an Airbnb and like hang out and then like go back to Chicago and then be like, well, there were some promising things. Like I should probably go back for the summer and like, you know, feel them out, take some meetings and then go back for the summer and then just stay forever and have to ship all your stuff out. That's a good way to trick yourself. So then you don't have to say goodbye to everyone, you know, (laughs) I love that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, watching you work, it would be easy to imagine that you're always incredibly perfectly confident and like there's not there's that there's never any kind of second guessing or or beating yourself up in your mind. But I wonder about um internally generated obstacles. Like obviously it's hard it's hard to get work and do work and all those things that are external. But do you come up against internally generated stuff? And do you have a a secret for how you deal with it? I do. I do a lot. Um, Usually what I'll do, (laughs) this very self-sabotaging thing where I I become convinced that someone, usually someone important in the production doesn't like me. Mm. Like, And it is mostly looking back, I think all of them have been completely fabricated in my own brain. Um, I don't know if somebody maybe didn't like me, but it, it's, it's no match for the amount I've built it up in my head. Um, whether that's a director, whether that's a a lead or something, and they're not doing anything to me other than just like probably being kind of professional and just not overly friendly, but I've decided that I've like offended them somehow. So then I really have to work hard to not let that affect my work. Cause I know at this point now that it's just a weird defense mechanism I do. Um, you know, to just like keep me on my toes, I guess, because I don't really get nervous about the work. Like I, I, I don't get, you know, yeah, I don't, I haven't gotten stage fright for years. Second City cures you of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you bomb in front of 300 people, eight shows a week, you'll learn that you don't die. So <laughs> <laughs> you're fine. But yeah, so I, I really have to let it, that feeling of like, oh, this person's mad at me, this arbitrary feeling. I have to not let it creep into my work on set because then you start doing weird shit, you know, then you're like tiptoeing around them or something. And they're probably like, why are you being weird? <laughs> yeah, so that's a that's a big one for me. That's where that my confidence gets chipped away. Um, yeah, which is weird because it's not about the, the work we're creating at all, really. Does that manifest itself in band situations as well or is that specifically an acting thing i think it's only yeah i think it's only on film sets and i think it stems from yeah i've never experienced it with with music i guess because with music um if someone doesn't like me we're probably not working together yeah like there's less chances of being kind of thrust together with people and you know with uh with TV it's like you've auditioned and most of the people have probably chosen you for this but someone someone wanted somebody else so i think i just I, my little brain runs with that that fear oh that that makes me me sad but of course of course you're 
you're going to have something going on. I mean, we all kind of do, right? Yeah. Well, it's wild because sometimes people will tell you, like, sometimes people will literally say in, like, a, a friendly manner, like, oh, my gosh, everyone wanted you for this role. I wasn't convinced. I had this other favorite, but you've been so great. They say it like a compliment at the end of the job. And it just reminds you, it's like, uh-huh, not everybody wants you there. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, it's I've been so lucky only ever really being in bands because you're right. There's there's so many different voices and opinions on, a, on some sort of a film shoot. Oh, I can't even imagine. But do, do you, you ever feel that like w- working with? <laughs> I don't know. You probably who knows, you know, it could be yeah. anyone. It could be labels. It could be. I don't know. <laughs> No, I mean, I've been in a band with the same four guys for, or three other guys for 27 years now. So, yes, I mean, there have been all sorts of, in fact, just even just recently, I've, okay, I've got really long hair and I had AirPods in like you do right now. And there was like kind of a tense moment with one of my bandmates. And I said, okay, you know what? We're not going to solve this right now. Let's just table it. When I put my AirPods in and turned around and started reading and writing and listening to loud music, he didn't know that I had AirPods in. He thought that as he continued to talk to me and I ignored him, that I was being oh. mad at him. Oh, it, no. <laughs> it escalated and it got pretty weird. But even now, even like over a quarter century into our band, there's still that kind of stuff. It, you know, it's the human yeah. condition to be sensitive, right? Especially yeah. us, we're artists. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Oh, I can just see that boiling over. That's <laughs> funny. I mean, the longest person I've sung with is probably John Langford in like a, a you know various different incarnations of bands and projects. And I don't think he's ever, I don't think he's ever gotten mad at me, or at least he hasn't <laughs> said it out loud. <laughs> I feel like he would say something. I feel like you would, t- I've seen him like, he's so affable all the time. Like even when things are kind of tense, he's not the one tense. He's usually the one shrugging and going like, this is fucked, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, that's a nice energy to be around. But yeah, there've certainly been like stressful moments. We were in um, England. His cousin Mark was driving us around playing like kind of tour manager, roadie, buddy type person. And it was 2 a.m. And we decided to leave our London gig and drive to Newport, Wales. And that's like a four hour drive or something. And Mm. for some reason, the GPS just messed up. And then we were just, I was asleep and I woke up to our sprinter van, like kind of crashing through some woods on like a dirt road. And Mark and John are arguing in the front seat. And I just like pulled out my phone because I had (laughs) slightly different service than everyone. And put it in Google maps and just handed it to Mark and kind of went back to sleep. (laughs) Mm. But yeah, so I guess that's how I don't get in trouble. I have the extra, the working phone. (laughs) (laughs) So you've been, you've been working for a while and you've been through a lot um, and you've had some success. I've loved watching it. It's sweet. I'm, I, I feel lucky that I got, I got to meet you um, right as things were all just kind of starting to go and go. And, and I, I just think it's, so great and inspiring and i wonder if you would have advice if you were to meet a 21 year old version of you working today if you would have any advice you might give yourself um that's a good question i guess um 
someone asked me this kind of jokingly recently, and I said I would just tell her to get a full length mirror. <laughs> <laughs> that's good for not looking like a clown when you leave the house. But um, I guess like just, I don't know. I weirdly never doubted that I would keep working in some fashion. I didn't know how, you know, much or how little, but I, I knew I would like keep doing it. I'd find ways. Um, so yeah, I guess I would just be like, just trust that. Just keep plugging along. Um, maybe you don't need to scatter your energy so much. Because I try, I was very scattershot. I tried a lot of things at once and would then move on to the next thing if it wasn't working out right away. Um, so yeah, maybe just a steadier approach. Do you think it was necessary to try all those things? To, to you know, trial and error to see if you liked it? Some of them, yeah. Yeah. Some some things a lot. I mean, well, I learned to play guitar so long ago, probably like right before you met me and then, you know, learned 15 chords or whatever and was like, OK, well, I don't I'm not going to ever be like great at this. But like in recent years, I've been able to, you know, 15 chords is enough to write songs and then hand it off to a better guitarist and have them play it. Um, so I think instead of me feeling like, oh, I have to be a fantastic guitar player. Now that I'm a little older, I can be like, oh, I'm so glad I learned all those chords. I'm so glad I can write. Um, yeah. So I think like some of those things were necessary. Well, I love that. I think it's uh, I think it's fascinating to talk to you because of the, the number of things you're capable of doing at such a high level. And I think it's fantastic. And and um and I'm serious. If you ever want to send me any unfinished songs, I'm pretty good at finishing songs. So I would love that. Oh my god, I'm gonna do it too. All right, I'll do it. And um, congratulations on Space Force. I can't wait to watch it. And uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much, Rhett. Thank you for asking me. I, I love this, and it, and it was nice to see a friend. Yeah, take care, Tony. Thanks. All right, woo! We did it. Cool. Yay! Oh, so fun and easy. Yeah, I really, I just, I don't want it to be one of the, like the Joe Rogan where it's three hours. Just kill me. I figure yeah. if it can be under half an hour and kind of keep it philosophical, I really want it to be useful to like people who aspire to be creative. Yeah. And I think that really was. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad it worked out. Oh, cool. Thank you. Well, go enjoy the day. It's really sweet. I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Tony. Okay, I'll send you stuff and talk to you soon. Oh, yeah, thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all.
Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.